Take your Bible, if you would, please. Make your way to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy may not be what you think of as a Christmas book or a Christmas passage, but we find in it the value and the importance and the mystery of Christmas today. If you'd make your way to the third chapter of 1 Timothy. We have started a mini-series throughout the Christmas season entitled Joy to the World, and we've been looking at what the Bible says about the world, and especially the world as it is at Christmas season, as it relates to the Lord Jesus, as we as the church relate to the peoples of the world. And I look forward to preaching this series past today's message. And we begin with taking that verse in the book of Ephesians that talked about people that were in the world without God. They would be in the world without God and without hope. And to see the peoples of the world that, that are without God and explains some of their uh, reason, explains their thought, explains their behavior, explains their need. At one time in your life, if you are a child of God and you've been born again, you were without God in this world. You were without hope. You were without Christ. You were without spiritual blessing. We moved from that message to last week's message, speaking of the church, that we are to shine as lights in a crooked and perverse world, and the importance that we have to shine the light of the Lord Jesus in and through our lives so that a world that's lost in the darkness of sin can see the way of light through the person of Christ. And today I, I want to preach to you a message that I have entitled, The Mystery of Christmas. When the Bible uses the word mystery, you're going to read it in just a moment. Please do not interpret the word mystery as something that is unknowable or unintelligible. When the Bible uses the word mystery, it's not presenting something that does not have a solution or something that is without an end or, or a known object. When the Bible presents the word mystery, it's always dealing with something that's just hidden. It's a known fact. It's just concealed. For example, to help you with that thought, I can give you a little adage if you were to look at the Old Testament, you know the Bible is divided up into two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament has 39 books. The New Testament has 27 books. If you were to divide them up and you were to look at them, as you, especially as a believer in knowing the Bible as a whole, when you read the Old Testament, if you look deep within there, you can see the New Testament concealed. In the Old Testament. For example, in Isaiah chapter 53, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. That he is who? Say his name. Jesus Christ, right? When you come to the New Testament, the New Testament is really the Old Testament revealed. So in the Old Testament, the New Testament is a mystery. It's not, not, it's not un, unintelligible or a non-knowing thing. It's just concealed. When it comes to the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. Why do you need to know that? Because you need to know that to understand the blessing of chapter 3, verse number 16 in 1 Timothy. Would you let your eyes fall on your scripture? And would you follow along as I read Paul writing to Timothy makes this wonderful declaration. And without controversy, which means that this is commonly accepted, there's no debate about what I'm going to say. Without controversy, great 
is the mystery of godliness. Number one, God was manifest in the flesh. Number two, justified in the spirit. Number three, seen of angels. Number four, preached unto the Gentiles. Number five, believed on in the world. Number six, received up into glory. Those are my points. If you'd like to leave now, you have the points. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Bible scholars and professors Preachers around the world would tell you that books and volumes could be written on this one verse. I would tell you as your pastor that you, you could never reach the depth or the height or exhaust the wonderful truths of 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 16. It is called the creedal statement of the word of God. Especially is it called the creedal statement for the believer. These six truths that come to us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 are truths that the church celebrates. These are truths that have anchored the church throughout the history and these are truths that will anchor us throughout our future. There are some hills you die on. This is a hill that God's people are willing to die on. I submit to you as you read chapter number four, as much as the church celebrates these truths, Satan hates them. He hates what is written. He hates what has happened. I need you to understand the context of what is being said and why it is being said so that you can see the beauty of what Paul is putting before Timothy. Timothy is a young preacher boy that's been left in Ephesus. Timothy is a young preacher boy that Paul loves dearly. Timothy pastors a church. He pastors a church that Paul started and founded. And he pastors a church that Paul loves dearly. When you come to verse number 14 of the same chapter, you will find the Apostle Paul's desire toward this situation. I would beg you to look at it. Paul says to Timothy in verse number 14, These things write I unto you, unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to, what's that word class? Behave thyself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Verse number 16 is Paul's inspirational summation to encourage a pastor and a people. I submit to you that this inspirational summation is still encouraging pastors and people who love the word of God. I promise you your pastor loves the word of God. If the people love the word of God say amen. amen. These truths. The apostle Paul is impressing upon Timothy. That he is the custodian. 
of these truths. The announcement to Timothy is designed to keep him going, to endure the persecution. For when the hate is strong and the mocking of the song happens, that who we believe in is right. And we believe the right way according to the word of God. Paul is reminding Timothy that the church is the custodian of truths that lead to the mystery of godliness. I want you to be very clear to understand what Pastor is saying here. Nowhere in the history of a church, any church, this one included, no future in any church can any church bring to any person godliness. A church does not pronounce godliness. Only Jesus can bring godliness to our lives. However, the church has been entrusted as a custodian of the truths of the mystery of godliness. So important is this entrustment that the Apostle Paul said to the preacher and to the people, it, it really demands proper behavior. I'm writing to you, preacher, Tom. I'm writing to you, Plantation Baptist Church, Because you have been entrusted with the truths of the mystery of godliness. Being entrusted as a custodian of these truths to whom much is given, much is required. So much required that you ought to know how to behave yourself in the house of God, to the church of the living God, which is the pillar of ground of the truth. The Apostle Paul goes on after announcing this custodianship to remind them of these truths. And really and truthfully, he begins with the Christmas story. Would you please look at verse number 16 of 1 Timothy chapter number 3. And without controversy, great is the mystery of Of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. When the Apostle Paul wants to begin with the mystery of godliness, he begins with Christmas. I would ask you this question if you had to define Christmas, if somebody said for you, define Christmas, could you come up with a definition? Just think in your mind. If you had the responsibility to define Christmas without using the word Macy's, could you do it? What is Christmas? They sang last week, without Jesus. Really and truthfully, the definition of Christmas is love came down. God manifest in the flesh. Christmas time is not when Jesus was born into existence. Jesus has always existed. 
He's eternal God. But it is the time that we celebrate Jesus becoming a man. When you think about the mystery of godliness beginning in its, in its definition as Paul is reminding the church, why would it begin at Christmas? Because the reason that God had to become a man is because man had become godless. The reason God had to become man because man had become godless. And in our godless estate, there is the absence of godliness. Understand, when God created Adam, the first man, God created man in innocency and in righteousness. God created man in body, soul, and spirit in perfect unity with God the Father, God the Son, And God the Holy Spirit. Understand that that union was precious. And that fellowship was deep and sweet. And inseparable. Until sin came into the world. And when Adam through his moral choice. Chose to sin against God. In his spirit died his godliness. And from that moment forward. Spiritually, man has been separated from God. Man has become godless. The Bible put it this way. For all have and come short of the glory of God. That does not mean that physically, mentally, emotionally, That humanity is without some good. It does not mean that we are just animalistic. Or that we are just without the capability to do kindness. Or without the capability to love. Without the capability to provide. It does not mean that we just are are as far as in our... And our maliciousness toward God. It doesn't mean that we may not favor God. It doesn't mean we may not reverence God. We might even love God. We might even pray to God. But we can do all of those things and still be in a godless position. The mystery of godliness is not somehow that I do good things. The mystery of godliness is that God has done a righteous work inside of me. And the mystery of godliness begins with God becoming a man. A man took us into sin. A man has to take us out. Paul said, for as by one man, many became disobedient. Or by the disobedience of one, many became sinners. By the obedience of one, many became righteous. All of us are sinners because of Adam's sin. And in Adam we all die, but all of us can be made righteous in Jesus Christ as we are all made alive. If that's you, say amen. Christmas is love coming down. Christmas is God realizing that man is godless. Man is separated from God. Man has no thought of God. Man has no desire for righteousness. We know not good. We were lost and on our way like sheep going astray. God created us. God loved us. And so God sent himself a man. Unlike any other man on the planet. 
If you wanted to, you could say that our planet has been invaded by an alien. And he's the most beautiful alien you've ever seen. His name is Jesus Christ. The evidence that he was like no other man is is now delivered to the church as a reminder. Look, if you would, please. Not only was God manifest in the flesh, but he was justified in the spirit. Apostle Paul here is reminding the church and he's reminding the pastor that Jesus is God. He is the God-man. He is the gift of God. He is the mediator of mankind. He's the savior of the world. And he's been vindicated in his spirit. You and I, we were born spiritually dead. Jesus has never been anything but spiritually alive. When Jesus was born through the womb of Mary... He was born spiritually alive. When I was born through the mother womb of Carolyn Sue Hunter, I was born dead in trespasses in sin. I, unlike the Lord Jesus, had to be born again. It was not until I received the Lord Jesus that I knew spiritual life. Jesus did not have to receive spiritual life. He is spiritual life. Vindicated is the word proven, justified in the Spirit. That Spirit that raised Him from the dead, that Spirit that descended upon Him, that Spirit that He was full of, unlike any other man, I'm sure all hell shouted when they heard Jesus say, it is finished. And then I promise you, All hell shook when up from the grave he arose. Church family, God manifest in the flesh is God giving us his son. Jesus is the son of God that has become the son of man. He is the son of God as in the provider of salvation. He is the son of man as the one that gave his life. Vindicated by his spirit. Justified by by that. By the way, it begs the question, if Jesus is vindicated by his spirit, how are you vindicated as a Christian? How are you proven as a believer? The vindication of the spirit of God in the life of the Lord Jesus is the same way that you're vindicated that you know God. Justified in the spirit, proved he is God. Justified in the spirit, proves You're a child of God. Salvation is not a work that's outside of you. Salvation is a work that's done inside of you. The way that you know that you are a true believer of the Lord Jesus is the Spirit of God indwells you based on your faith in the Lord Jesus. If that's happened to you, would you say amen? Justified in the Spirit as evidence that he's the God-man, seen of angels. Oh, angels are all about the Lord Jesus when he was upon the earth. Angels have a great interest in the Lord Jesus. Understand it was the mystery of iniquity that began in heaven. We're talking about the mystery of godliness upon the earth. But the mystery of iniquity began in heaven. Where did sin begin? It did not begin in Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve chose to sin. But sin began deep in the will of an angel named Lucifer. A created being by God. A being that exalted his will. 
and being that gathered a third of the angelic host to side with him from the day Jesus stepped out of heaven to become a man. The angels have had keen interest in this. You will find that they were around his birth. They were around his temptation. You will find that they ministered to him in the garden. You will find that they were there around his resurrection. The angels cannot be redeemed. Those angels that exalted their will against God and sinned against God are damned forever and ever and ever. My will was exalted against God and I was a sinner, but I'm not damned forever. I can find salvation in Jesus Christ. They have an interest in salvation, but they have no practice of it. He was man- God manifest in the flesh, evidenced by justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul here is reminding the pastor and the people that the preaching for the world should be the preaching of the Lord Jesus. There is no other message that the world needs today other than God becoming a man, a man paying for our sin, a man being crucified, buried, and risen again. All my Gentiles out there that have had Christ preached unto them, we ought to say thank you God for that, right? Salvation came to the Jew and then to us. Believed on... In the world. I appreciate this encouragement to a pastor and to a people. Because sometimes you can think your world is the whole world. It's amazing how sometimes we think that our little world is the whole world. There's one savior of the world. His name is Jesus. We have a church made up of people from all over the world. Sometimes the American mindset is arrogant. Now, I'm an American, and I love my country, so stay with me all the way through this analogy. Sometimes even in the church, saved American people somehow have this thought that America dictates the calendar of God. So therefore... Because we have a new president coming, then God must be coming back soon. I got news for you. No matter which president ever takes our office, that president is always God's president according to the Bible. Mm, That one stings a little bit. Well, because America has given over to some type of sin or America has kind of turned its back on God, then God must be coming back. I got news for you. America is a very small part of the whole world, right? And God loves the world. So here's what happens to us. I would dare say to you that the more materialistic America becomes, the more idolatrous America becomes, the more atheist America becomes, the less we see people coming to Christ in America. And to some degree, that can be discouraging to a pastor and to a people. But I got news for you. People might not be getting saved in America the way they used to, but people are being saved around the world like crazy. And the Jesus that provides salvation here is the Jesus that saves somebody anywhere in the world. Believed on In the world. It will be sad. For somebody to live in America. And never believe on the Lord. It doesn't say believe in the Lord. It says believe on the Lord. 
You need to understand what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's reminding the church that we've been given the custodianship of the mystery of godliness. Pastor Hunter cannot make you godly. Plantation Baptist Church cannot make you godly. Only God can make you godly. How did God bring godliness into a godless world? He sent his son. And his son took on the form of a servant, became found in fashion as a man. And that man took upon him the sin of all humanity. That man took upon him the godlessness of the world. And on that cross, for three hours, man terrorized him. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. They cursed him. They did everything. And then God said, enough. And God shut the lights out. Read the story. So dark, nobody could move. And then God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Man mocked him. God punished him. So great was the punishment. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They took him off that cross. They laid him in that tomb. Having finished his work, three days later, up from the grave he arose. We're justified by his death. We're saved by his life. A godly man has brought salvation to godless humanity. Praise his holy name. Believed on in the world. I have an author I love to read. He helps me prepare messages. He wrote a description about the world and how they look at Christmas. The world and how they look at this verse. Find yourself here. Either you're one who does believe or you're one who doesn't. Just listen. How strange it is that humanity feels no more interest in these things. God was manifest in the flesh for man's salvation. But man does not regard it. Angels looked upon it with wonder. But man, for whom he came, feels little interest in his person or his work. The Christian religion has broken down the barrier among nations, has proclaimed that all men may be saved. Yet the mass of humanity Look on with an entire unconcern. The Redeemer ascended to heaven having finished his great work. But how little interest does the mass of mankind give to this? He will come again to judge the world. But the world moves on regardless of this truth. Unalarmed at the prospect of meeting him. 
feeling no interest in the assurance that he has come and died for sinners. No apprehension in view of the fact that he will come again. And they must stand at his bar. All heaven was moved with his first advent and will be moved with his second. But the peoples of the earth regard it with no concern. Angelic beings look upon this with the deepest thought. Man, though all his great interests have no personal interest in God becoming man. To them, it reads as a fable, as a story, as make-believe bringing about an unbelief. Speaking of unbelief, they treat it with contempt and with scorn. Such is the difference between heaven and earth, angels and men. I got news for you today. To this pastor and to these people, there's not unconcerned There's just worship and glory to God the Son for becoming a man and providing salvation for us. Amen. Amen. Ascended up into glory. It's interesting that Paul finishes this great doctrinal position letting us know where the Lord Jesus is today. Let me make a couple of closing remarks. The mystery of godliness begins with God being manifest in the flesh. It ends with Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. All of salvation made possible. All of life made possible. Finished in his person. There is a man seated at the throne of God today. He's unlike any other man that we've ever known. He's the God man. This man knows pain. He knows loss. He knows suffering. He knows lack. He knows desire. He knows thirst. He knows hunger. He knows hatred. He knows grief. He knows wound. He knows separation. He knows longing. He understands familial relations. He understands what it is to be distant. He knows what it means to not be believed. He knows all those things that you and I go through. For he's gone through them himself. And in going through them himself, he's able to secure us. Church family, the mystery of godliness has been entrusted into our custodianship. Not that we bring about a godless world to godliness, but so that we could preach the God-man to the godless so they could know godliness like us. Amen? Paul said, so important that you better know how to behave yourself. better understand that our message cannot get lost in our life. That there can't be anything between us and our God. 
that there ought not to be any unconfessed sin, any unbelief, any distancing. We've been entrusted with the mystery of godliness to take to the people of the world. And that ought to affect our behavior. How's your life today with the Lord, Christian? How's your life today? If you're listening to me and you're not a believer, the mystery of godliness does not come to you through church attendance, membership, or good works. The mystery of godliness is only possible to you because God was manifest in the flesh. Christmas time, God became a man. That man paid for your sin, rise to save your life, and you must believe on him. Big difference between believing in and believing on. The devil believes in a God, but he does not believe on Jesus. Believing in is not the same as believing on. Saving faith must rest on a person, not on an idea. An idea didn't bleed for you. A person shed his blood for you. Many people believe in Christianity, but they've not believed on the Christ. Amen? Oh, you feel the burden of being entrusted the mystery of godliness. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I have a Frosty the Snowman in my yard. I'm not against the Santa Claus. But neither one of them are the true meaning of Christmas. God manifest in the flesh. That's Christmas. Jesus becoming a man. It's the beginning of the mystery of godliness. There's no godliness without the God-man. What an entrustment. What a custodianship. The pastor and the people have been given. Paul said to Timothy, Son, there's no controversy in what I'm telling you. And it needs to affect your life. As we think about the peoples of the world and we think about this Christmas season, the mystery of Christmas needs to be born in their heart. And it needs to be given by God's people. Holy Spirit of God, if there be any of your children here today, they're not right with you. Some unconfessed sin, some distancing, something. Speak to them about that. Touch them. And may they humble themselves. If there be somebody here this Sunday before Christmas and they've never received Christmas in their heart, they've not believed on Jesus, right there where they sit, they could just simply tell God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus is the Savior. And I'm believing on Him for my salvation today. He died for me. He was buried and He rose again. The best I know how, I ask Him to come into my heart Forgive me for being a sinner. Take me to heaven when I die. 
but I am believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And may the mystery of godliness be born in them today. Bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand for a moment of invitation. We always give a moment where the altar is open for God's people to come and pray. Maybe you want to come today and give your heart to the Lord Jesus. Whatever that God is laying on your heart, we have, you can come and kneel or sit on the pew. People will be here to pray with you. The song is only trust Him. You let God work in your life as you think about the message. Lift your voice now. so much for listening today thank you for being here we always have a song to go home that song is one verse of heart the herald angels sing of course don't forget to help us tonight at the christmas lights if you can take a pallet take two pallets back your truck up down there take as much as you can christmas eve four and six o'clock looking forward to a wonderful time of music and narration i love you thank you for loving me god bless you Sing glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. 
Christ is born in Bethlehem. Heart the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. God bless you all. You are dismissed.